Welcome to Theology for the People. My name is Nick Cady, and on today's episode, I want to address one of the questions that I've heard brought up many times as a criticism that is aimed against Christianity. And here's how it goes. People say, it seems that Christians just pick and choose from the Old Testament law, applying some of them today and not others. For example, Christians will agree with the command, you shall not commit adultery. And they'll say that commandment applies today, but then they will ignore other commands, such as the command not to eat pork or shellfish or not to wear clothing made of fabrics of mixed materials, such as a polycotton blend, which also are, is forbidden in the Old Testament law. So someone might ask, why do Christians do this? Are they just choosing arbitrarily based on what seems convenient for them or what they feel like following and not following? Someone might ask, do Christians say that the commandment about certain sexual behaviors are still applicable? Then why don't they apply that to all the other commandments in the Old Testament law, such as the commandment to execute people for breaking the Sabbath day? Are they just being arbitrary? The answer is this. We're not being arbitrary. Rather, we are differentiating between the different types of laws which are found in the Old Testament. And it's not picking or choosing. Rather, it is being faithful to the way that the Old Testament laws are meant to be handled. John Calvin, the 16th century reformer, he pointed out that the New Testament treated the 613 laws of the Mosaic law, it treated them in three different ways. In other words, the laws of the Old Testament fall into three different categories, and we can see that by the way that they're treated by Jesus and the other New Testament writings. Those three categories are, number one, civil laws, number two, ceremonial laws, and number three, moral laws. So the civil laws governed the nation of Israel. They dealt with behaviors and punishments for crimes in society. The ceremonial laws were about clean and unclean things, and they were about various sacrifices and other ritual practices. Moral laws declared what God deemed to be right and wrong morally, and they make up most of the Ten Commandments. For the people of Israel, all three of these laws, these types of laws, they blended together. So in Israel, breaking a moral law had civil and ceremonial implications and consequences. Breaking a civil or ceremonial law was a moral problem. These laws went hand in hand. They were interwoven because Israel was at a unique place historically, being both a nation and a worshiping community. God was their sovereign, their king, their ruler, not only over their worship, but over their entire civil society. It was a true theocracy. So the people of Israel, under that theocratic system, they had no concept of what we call the separation of church and state. Now, we do have that today in our society. And since that is the case for us today, our relationship with the law is obviously going to be different. Now, this helps us understand what often seems contradictory about the New Testament's view of the Old Testament law. For example, the New Testament says that Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. That's Matthew 5, verse 17. And it also says that because of what he did in his life, death, and resurrection, we are released from the law. That's in Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, and Galatians 3, verse 25. 
Understanding how Jesus is the fulfillment of the law helps us understand why we still look to some of the Old Testament laws to instruct and guide us and seemingly ignore others. The civil laws were set up to benefit the nation of Israel. However, we are not bound by the civil codes of the Old Testament because there is no longer a theocratic nation-state here on earth. Now, this was a problem also for the Pharisees in Jesus' day. Remember in John chapter 8 when they brought before Jesus a woman who had been caught in adultery? They brought this woman before Jesus and they said, The law of Moses demands that this woman be stoned to death. What do you say we should do? Now, the reason this was a conundrum was because if Jesus were to say, Yes, let's do what the law of Moses says in regard to this civil offense, then he would be breaking the civil laws of the Roman Empire. Now, we today do not live in a theocratic nation state as Israel did at that time. And we can see that people, even in the time of Jesus, did not live in that state. And therefore, the civil laws of the Mosaic law were not being enforced in Israel because they couldn't be without breaking the civil laws of Rome. So we may wisely glean from some of the principles in Israel's civil law, such as those regarding public health, caring for the poor, etc. But in Christ, we who are Christians have become a new nation. The people of God spread out through every tribe, tongue, and nation on earth who are subject to the ruling authorities of our respective countries when it comes to civil laws. For more on this, read Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. So things like not eating shellfish, for example. These, we need to see that these were incredibly thoughtful and merciful commands in the ancient world for people who did not have refrigeration and did not understand microbes and bacteria. The same is true of pork. As the people of Israel submitted to these laws by faith, without fully understanding why God had commanded them or what God's purpose with them was, even though these laws might have seemed arbitrary to them at the time, the Jewish people benefited from them. And there's certainly a lesson for us in that, in, the, in regard to obeying God's commands, even when we don't understand why he has given them. The ceremonial laws, they illustrate God's holiness and our unholiness, God's purity and our uncleanness, and the inherent problem we have in approaching God because of our uncleanness. The book of Hebrews is dedicated to showing us how every one of the sacrificial or ceremonial laws was fulfilled through Jesus' perfect life and death. He is the final sacrifice who cleanses us inwardly, not only outwardly, and makes us acceptable before God. The moral laws were fulfilled by Jesus in that he lived a perfect life free of moral failure. Unlike the civil and ceremonial laws, which were bound to particular times and situations, the moral laws show God's assessment of good and evil, right and wrong, and they reflect God's character. Since the moral laws are based on God's unchanging character, we can say that they are eternally applicable because God doesn't change and therefore neither do his views on morality. In fact, whenever Jesus talked about the moral laws, he either reaffirmed them or seemingly intensified them. You can see this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 48, in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says a series of statements which sound like this, You have heard it said, but I tell you. 
Now, it seems in some cases that Jesus is not just reaffirming the law, but even intensifying it. But the closer you look, what you'll see is that all Jesus is doing is he's bringing us back to God's original intent and heart behind the moral laws. Thus, the reason why Christians, so to say, pick and choose from Old Testament laws, it's not at all arbitrary. Rather, it is faithful to the understanding of the different categories of law that existed in the Mosaic Law, and it's faithful to understanding the roles and purposes of those different laws. And this way of dealing with the law is actually faithful to the teaching of both the New Testament and the Old Testament.